we talking shit, baby. Every episode, I promise you was lit, baby. Every week, get some shit you can't miss, baby. Dylan Bob, still a vibe. Podcast game solidified, no cap. All fact like a snapper. Stream us on that Spotify or Apple, tap in. Roller coaster ride, strap in. We gon' take you for a ride, just take this shit and stride. All topics, sport the current event. Tell me who more current than this. Good luck with the mother shows. This the best one. Your sister and your brother knows. We talking shot, we talking shot, we talking shit, baby. We talking shot, we talking shot, we talking shit, baby. We talking shot, we talking shit, we talking shit, baby. We talking shot, we talking shot, we talking shit, baby. Yes, sir. Talking shop, episode ninety nine. I'm your host Bobby Hall, and with me, as always. My co-host Dylan Savage. Dylan, how we doing this week, man? Bobby, we're doing glorious. I hope you had a good week yourself. How you doing, my man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty wild week, actually, for you and I in the Midwest. We got absolutely slammed with uh, snow. I think the most snow since, I think, 2014. I think I've seen something, at least in Toledo. I don't know what you got hit with in Troy, but in Toledo area, I think we got a total of like 17 yeah, inches, which is just wild. So, um, so much so... That you and I, we had, um, country. we had Tuesday off work, which is my birthday. That was nice, nice little bonus. Yeah, all the way down to, to Texas. I mean, we had our, our one buddy Nick down there going through some crazy times. No power and uh, Nick freezing cold temperatures and stuff. Pretty wild, pretty wild uh, situation down there in Texas. But um, yeah, just ready uh, to get past February, which I hate to say that because that is my birthday month. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm already tired of these freezing cold temps and uh, having to trek through snow every day at work just uh kind of sucks but other than that man um pretty good week uh pretty stoked to be uh to be back rolling man one more episode next week we're gonna hit triple digits pretty crazy 100 episodes unbelievable unbelievable 100 episodes and uh let's not uh let's not get ahead of ourselves now number episode 99 is a special episode uh, indeed we have a special guest that is in bobby um, I'll let you do the honors of bringing her on. Yeah, this is somebody um, we've been really excited to have on. Um, this is a, a close family friend of mine. I think somebody that I've known probably since we were children, like real young kids, which kind of dating us a little bit. You know, I won't throw the numbers out. Obviously, I don't want to get in trouble. But um, yes, we have uh, the pride of Genoa, Ohio. Uh, Simone Eli is with us today. Simone, welcome to Talking Shop. Super stoked to have you on the show. And uh, very, very grateful for some of your time on a, on a Friday evening. Guys, I'm so pumped and honored uh, that you would reach out and consider me for the show, especially episode 99. Although I think if it was so special, I would have been better suited for episode 100. But, you know, it's all good. I'm, episode 99, I'll, I'll accept it. It is what it is. But Dylan, Bobby, I appreciate uh, y'all having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um we were trying to get you back on uh, season three a few months ago, but obviously uh, schedules just, uh, you know, they didn't mix up. So uh, when we were finally able to uh, line you up, we were, we were really excited. So um, we want to have you on just, you know, one to do a little catching up. It's been a long time, you know, since you and I have talked or seen each other. Obviously, uh, I used to be out at uh, good old Castle Ridge quite a bit um, at my aunt and uncle's. Shout out to uh, Katie and Jimmy. Plants, the whole Plants family out there. I know they're going to be stoked. And um, very much looking forward to hearing this episode when it drops. I'm sure they'll have that'll give them another reason to have a have a soiree over there at their house. Not that they ever really need a reason, but um, 
yeah, it's it's uh it's gonna be great to catch up. And you know, we got a bunch of questions about pretty much uh, from from your beginnings all the way to you know in Genoa to where you're at today um, and everything in between. So uh, we, you know, we're we're ready to get into it now, Simone. You started off with uh, playing sports, and now you're covering sports. Uh, I guess sports has been about your whole life, uh, being in high school sports and basketball, carrying over to Division One BGSU. Um, what kind of got you into covering sports after playing them? Yeah, guys, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Sports, like you said, has been my entire life It from day one. It's all I've ever known. I've never liked school when I was going through school, you know, middle school, you know, high school. I never liked any sort of like math and English, things like that. I just wanted it to get to the end of the school day so I could go play basketball. And anybody that knew me knew that that was the case. And so when I went to Bowling Green, I didn't really know what I wanted to do professionally. So I actually majored in early childhood education for about five seconds because I took my first education course. It was God awful. And I went to my advisor. I'm like, listen, this ain't going to work. I got I to do something different. And they said, well, well what do you like? I said, well, I like talking and I like sports and that's it. And they said, well, great. We're going to push you into broadcast. And to be honest with you, at that time in my life, when I was 18, 19 years old. I didn't realize that you could go major in broadcast journalism. I didn't realize that people that were on ESPN or on even our local stations that talked about sports went to school to do it. And so I always talk about that when I'm speaking to young journalists and people aspiring to do what I do is that if you don't have it figured out day one, that's okay. And luckily for me, not only did I figure it out really quickly, but I became very passionate about it, not only playing sports, but talking about sports and talking about it on a local and a national level. And so my career has has blessed me big time. And I, I'm so grateful for what Genoa provided for me from an athletic standpoint, because without it, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. To be like successful, not only in your own athleticism on sports, but you're also being successful covering sports, starting here locally, uh, locally Toledo, that is Northwest Ohio, BCSN. Um, and then now uh, down in Alabama with CBS 42 um, in covering professional sports, coll- collegiate sports. Um, and just being successful all around, not only looking at your records for uh, when you were in basketball for BGSU, uh, looks like your career there with the Falcons was 103 and 30, uh, 52 and 12 at the conference. Six, you went to a sweet 16 in the WNIT. I mean, the, the, I guess the records speak and the numbers speak for itself. And Bobby, I know that you've uh, actually talked with her um, earlier in high school days. So it's kind of interesting to see what your high school, uh, Bobby was talking about pre-production that you were scoring like a thousand points in the season. Is that correct? Not a season in career. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of that scoring and stuff that ended pretty quickly when I got to Bowling Green. I mean, I'm not, I'm just being honest. Like I went to Bowling Green and I, I played on a team that was really, really successful and all those accolades and things that we accomplished was great. I was definitely a practice player. Like my thousand points and all the rewards I have and all that awards is from high school. I mean, yes, it earned me a spot on the team and it earned me a scholarship and all that. But, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, I was a, a practice player. But hey, listen, you know what? I, I loved it. I wouldn't trade it. I have Very lifelong modest. friends. And it was a great opportunity. It was the best four years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that was something I, I wanted to get into because, yeah, like like we said, you're, you're a very decorated um, Genoa athlete. And you did get to hop over to BGSU and, and play with uh, some really talented ladies on a really good team. And I was just wondering, like, from your point of view, like, what was, uh, how did you kind of handle going from, you know, being, the, you know, the, the leader of that team and kind of the one to, uh, you know, light up the scoreboard and stuff to, to kind of take in, I don't know, not maybe like a backseat, but, um, you know, a little bit of a different role once you got um, into college? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was like initially the most exciting thing in my life. I mean, I did have a knee injury. I played um, on a torn meniscus my entire senior year at Genoa. And I was going to, regardless, in 2009, I was going to play my senior year. I wanted to win a league championship. I wanted to help our team. And we had a great year that season. But it did probably cost me a, a jump jump start into college because I immediately had to go into surgery, get that repaired. And because I did the amount of damage I did on it, I ended up having four surgeries in four years. So a lot of my time spent on the bench was wrapped up in ice or wrapped up in some sort of tape and fresh out of surgery. Now that's not to say I didn't play with, with great athletes because I absolutely did. They were fantastic and you know, it was what it was, but looking back on it, I'm so incredibly grateful for my journey and exactly how it played out because it has made me who I am today. If I was an all-star athlete and was fantastic at Bowling Green, I would not be the Simone Eli that I am today having to kind of take a back seat to the people that I did back then. With those surgeries, some people actually say that they come out stronger on the other end of those surgeries because of all the the training that you have to do, the the more hard work they have to do just not only get to where you were, but to kind of get over that mental hurdle, uh, re-injuring or anything like that. So most people kind of like when you break a bone, um, and it heals, it heals stronger. They say, do you feel anything that, um, coming after post-surgery, um, that you were stronger in a sense of that, that from a physical standpoint, definitely not. I, my body definitely deteriorated, at least my knee that is, uh, throughout the years I was in college. I definitely did a number on it when I played my senior season in high school. Mentally, incredibly stronger. I mean, like I said, would not be the person I am today. Definitely went through hell and high water, you know, but had teammates by my side, had incredible coaches and incredible support system with my family. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful to that time. I know I've said it like four times now, but I, even though I had played very minimal time and scored minimal points, what it, uh, it afforded me in the long run is just priceless. Yeah. And you said you're so grateful to those who um, you took a back seat to and then you learned from. And uh, this podcast probably wouldn't be even long enough. Thank everyone that has helped you along your career. Uh, but who are some names that uh, possibly top people that you looked up to uh, to get you to where you are today? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you're looking at Bowling Green in and of itself, uh, Kurt Miller, who was my head coach at the time, uh, he's the one that brought me in there, took a chance on me. He's now the head coach of the Connecticut Sun, also the general manager there, um, has had a terrific college and professional coaching career. So I have to start with Kurt because he's the one that took an opportunity on me. Jennifer Roos was my head coach my senior year when Kurt left for Indiana, uh, Brandy Poole. So all my coaches there, when it comes to my teammates, I mean, Dee Havel, Allison Pappenfuss, Chrissy Steffen. I mean, I, I could just go on with that. And then, you know, not to mention the amount of people, I, I think it's hard to even put into words the amount of people from Genoa who would make the trip, for, you know, 30 minutes to Bowling Green to watch me potentially play two or three minutes. And, you know, those are the plants Katie and Jimmy and the ghosts and my parents and just a ton of people from Genoa who just took time to continue to support me. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Tom contact, who was my head coach when I was at Genoa without him, I'm sure as hell wouldn't be who I am today. And so uh, just uh, so many people from back then who um, invested in my life and filled my life with so much positivity. And again, support me to this day. I'm turning 30 this year, which is hard to believe. I know Bobby, we're going to talk about numbers, but I'm going to be 30 in April. And, you know, those people are all still right there by my side. I, I would not be who I am today without them. And, you know, I'm forever, uh, I'm humbled by that. You know, I'm, I'm never going to get too big or forget where I came from, you know, because I've been all over the world and all over the country uh, with my job. 
I do got to ask one thing. You just you you threw it out there. I didn't. You are turning the the big three zero this year, and um, you've had some surgeries over over time. Are you still, um, you know, crowning yourself the top Eli um child when it comes to no, that will never change. Okay, so so okay, I will always be the top Eli. No doubt, I've had a better athletic career than anybody in my family. They will tell you that. My dad will attest to that. Everybody in Castle Ridge will attest to that. I mean, I might not be able to shoot a basketball anymore. My body might be declining on, you know, rapidly, but by far best athlete in the family. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask too. Like today in 2021, you know, in a court, is uh, Sophia balling you up or, uh, you know, you still going to get some buckets on her? Right now, I would lose. I would lose. Okay. Today, okay. I would lose. Just, yeah, <laughs> probably to a thing. She's, I mean, listen, man, I'm going on 30, all right? Nothing hey, works for I, like years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'd ask. I'd ask. I, I know. I, I figured the fire was still in there, but I know. I, I get it. I just turned. I just turned thirty-two, so I, I know. I know how this stuff goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, most importantly, obviously, uh, you, you you didn't uh, you didn't maybe get the amount of minutes or have have uh, you know the picturesque career maybe um, that you dreamt of. But most importantly, um, you know, you not only got a bachelor's degree, you also got a master's, which I think obviously helped get you where you are today so um you know kudos to that that's huge i mean i know a lot of people that um you know have uh you know these gigantic fantastic college careers can't say the same thing so um that's definitely something to, to hang your head on and, and uh, one of the things me and dylan uh definitely were super impressed by um but uh you know we'll, we'll move on you know you kind of made uh your way in, into sports media and the one thing i also wanted to get your point of view on was just you know, obviously, it still it hasn't really changed much over the years, but kind of, you can kind of see it still, especially on social media these days. But being a female, um, really in general, but especially in sports media, um, seems like it has uh, a lot of um, bumps and just annoyances and, you know, a lot of stupid stuff that uh, you got to probably see and, and deal with. And, uh, and I was, that one of the things I was wondering is just how you've always been able to kind of... Uh, get past that and, and kind of stay, um, you know, on, on higher ground rather than, you know, steeping down to maybe some of those people's levels that try to bring you down with them. Yeah, I definitely, I think that the, the way that I handle that now is because of time that I've had to deal with it. When I initially, when I first got into this business, I was, you know, I was heated all the time from people who were talking crap and saying the things that they were saying on social media, whether it was about my appearance or me just being a, a woman that's in sports or what, whatever they could find in that moment, um, my hair, my makeup, whatever, um, and attacking me for just because I'm a woman, you know, in the public eye because of my position, you know, it was hard to deal with. And there was a lot of me going back with folks and, and responding to emails and responding to tweets. And now 10 years into this business, you know, I'm over it. I, I've, I'm to a point now where I understand that that's part of the job. I've definitely grown a very thick skin because of it. And, you know, I just have kind of accepted that as a woman in a male dominated world, it's something that that we're going to have to deal with. And I still, to this day, and I mean, whether it's positive things 
or like gross things. There's a lot of gross grossness out there. Uh, people hating on my marriage. There's a lot of that. You know, I'm married to somebody who's older than me. And like, I hear a lot of crap about that. And listen, like, I have zero shame in anything about who I am as a woman, who I am as a wife, as a stepmom. I mean, I'm very proud of the person that I am and the work that I've done in my career. So I like, there is nothing anyone can say to me at this point in 2021 and beyond that can get under my skin unless you are my parents my direct family or somebody whose opinion that I hold true, because if you, if not, then you're irrelevant. Hell yeah. You can always tell uh, by someone's career by just looking at their resume. And I kind of want to get into that with you because it's very quite impressive when you look at it um, from just like a, my lens, looking at it, you start yourself here at BCSN and then you climb your way up to a top 10 Houston uh, sports network with uh, not only being the only female there, but being the youngest at 24 and to be where you are now with CBS 42 in Alabama, it just, it's, you see constant progression and it's, and it's, it's actually quite, uh, um, inspirational for those that are just in any kind of career for that matter. It doesn't have to be just sports broadcasting. Um, and then those, that career that you're in now actually takes you, like you said, around the world, all across the country and get to see all these different kinds of people and personalities. One of those being me and Bobby are familiar with Trent Richardson, uh, you've you've interviewed him a couple of times. I, I, w- I want to just kind of peel the banana on that topic real quick. And how is Trent Richardson as a person? Because um, us as Browns fans, we see him as a possible bust running back, whatever you want to say. But a phenomenal collegiate athlete, phenomenal father. Well, what can what can you say, uh, Trent Richardson, the person? Here's what I'll say about Trent Richardson, the person. And I have spent a significant amount of time with Trent. We did um, not only a very lengthy sit down interview, almost three hour interview. Uh, I also went to their practice when he was here with AAF with Birmingham Iron, went and hung out with him at a practice. Um, obviously, when he's been back in Tuscaloosa, have met with him there. And here's what I'll say about Trent. And, and I understand from you know a Browns fan perspective that you want to look at things on the field and, and get frustrated about that. But Trent has a heart of gold. Not only is he a fantastic dad who has gone above and beyond for the people in his life, because he has done that, he has been taken advantage of at every single turn. I mean, he had people leeching off of him in ways that you just you could not even imagine. People using him for his money the minute that he was in Cleveland. Um, and it really impacted who he was as a person, as a man, as a player. And I think that when you're a fan, you sometimes forget that these people that we watch and that we look up to um, are people. That at the end of the day, they go home, they put their socks on just like you do, they eat food just like you do, they, you know, yes, they might have more money than you do, but at the end of the day, they are people with feelings, and they go through stuff, and that impacts them. I mean, if you, if us three every single day had to have our job out there in the world to see, and we had to deal with some crap at home, so we weren't having our best day, you know, we just mark it up as us being human. Well, professional athletes are human as well. And I've seen that at every turn. And you, you really change your your thought process towards these people when you get to know them as people, because it, it's much deeper than the surface level athlete that we all see. Exactly. And then from your career and your lens that you get to see these athletes at, it's such a unique perspective that you have um, in journalism everywhere that you get to see these as, the athletes as humans, as opposed to um, just people trying to you know, win games for your, your favorite team or anything like that. Like as more as an asset than any, than a human. But speaking of feelings, like you said, these athletes have feelings just like humans. How did Dwight Howard feel when you beat him at horse? 
Yeah, that was actually really fun. Uh, we had a really good time. Dwight has a great personality. He's like a big kid. And I know another guy that takes a lot of crap in the NBA. And in some ways, deservedly so. I mean, listen, we all kind of have done some some silly stuff in our careers in some sort of way where we take crap from people. And, and you know, that's cool. But when we were there at the Rockets facility that day, um, you know, and, and played horse and I did beat him. And I, listen, he's not a guy that, that can shoot from the outside. And when you think back to my Houston time, I was only 23, 24 <laughs> years old. So I still had it a little bit, a lot more than I do now, like, you know, six years after that. So you know, it was, he, he was so much fun to work with. And we really had a fun time doing that story, a huge feature piece for our station channel two, uh, KPRC in Houston that day. And, um, just, uh, you know, I, what I appreciate about Dwight is that not everyone around him, and I'm not going to name names, but you can go ahead and just think of it who it is yourself. But there are people around him that were not nearly as accessible, not nearly as fun. Not everybody on the Rockets roster at that time would I have wanted to go play horse with. There was actually quite a few I would not have wanted to play horse with. And so to, for that reason, I'm grateful for Dwight and just what he brought to that, not only that segment, but to that team because they needed it. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching the video actually back when it first released. That was uh, pretty entertaining. And I was impressed. I mean, even though he's not known for his shooting, I don't know, he's still an NBA star. So for you to be able to come through there and bust his ass real quick was, was pretty dope. Another interesting question I had was um, – you know, you, you do your sports media, so obviously, um, you know, you do some broadcasting and, and you're on camera and stuff. How long did it take you to hone in on your quote-unquote uh, TV voice that they say that all you guys have? Listen, I don't have a TV voice. I you, you can go watch me on our sports Sunday shows, on our talk shows. I talk exactly how I'm talking to y'all right now. This is who I am, and that has what's made me successful and thrive in this business is just to be who I am, my energy, my authentic self, and to not be someone who sits here and pronunciates and announces that you know this sort of way. Like I, I can't even fake that. I mean, that doesn't even sound good. Like I couldn't try to do that if I tried. So just this is how I talk. We have our sports shows, and, and honestly, half the time I have to just like hold my breath and try not to cuss. You know, it's kind of like Bobby Knight before he did interviews. He had to like read the newspaper and stuff, and, and you know, sometimes you know, obviously he still did cuss. But uh, so luckily. Knock on wood, I've, I've avoided that. But I'm just myself. And, you know, I love sports. I'm passionate about it. Just like I am broadcast, I'm passionate about that. And so hopefully that's what, you know, people like about me. And that's also what people don't like about me. And, you know, that is that is what it is. Yeah, and I noticed you just knocked on wood there that you don't want to become a uh, another blooper reel on YouTube. Um, has it ever crossed your mind before going live on air, before, like, making a mistake, anything like that? It's like, oh, God, I don't want to be on YouTube for the wrong things. Yeah, I mean, I have definitely... Uh, you know, made my fair share of mistakes in television. We all have. Uh, luckily, it hasn't been anything totally catastrophic, you know, like nothing too, too crazy. Um, but yeah, I think back in the day when I first got into the business, I thought about it a lot more like, don't, don't mess up, don't say something dumb. Um, but now, you know, I, the nerves aren't there as much. I, I'm just, you know, it's not to say that I don't get like, a little anxious because if you didn't get anxious at what you're doing, um, then are you really performing to the best of your ability? Are you giving, you know, really giving your 100%. So, you know, I think that today I don't think about it as much, but it's somewhere in the back of my mind. Like don't make yourself sound dumb and end up like a YouTube sensation for the wrong reasons. I have to ask this before I forget. You've lived in the Midwest and, and uh, down South now, which I think at this point, you're probably starting to catch up to the amount of years that you lived, uh, up here in the mid in the good old Midwest, Ohio. But as somebody uh, you know that that grew up in Ohio and you live in Alabama now, which uh, rivalry 
you think is bigger? Is that Ohio State, Michigan, or uh, Auburn? <laughs> uh, first of all, that ain't even fair to ask because this is primarily going to be listened to in the Midwest. And so I know folks are going to come at me. I've already gotten arguments with people from Genoa. I won't name names. I've gotten unfriended on Facebook for <laughs> arguing that he is like the stronger conference in the Big Ten. But here's the thing, okay? Like Alabama and Auburn – and I know how State Michigan, they're passionate. Trust me, I've seen some crazy things in that rivalry. Alabama and Auburn, like these folks, it does not matter what the sport is. It doesn't matter wh- what else is going on in the world. It doesn't, I mean, tr- like we've had some crazy things happen in this state. And at the end of the day, that rivalry will trump everything. When I first came to Mobile, Alabama back in 2013, they said, are you a Bama or Auburn fan? I said, I'm from Ohio. I went to Bowling Green State University. I don't even care. Like, I know who the mascots are. I talk about the sport. I don't care. Nope. Pick a side right now. Like, you have to pick a side. You come here, you pick a side. If you don't pick a side, there's going to be a problem. I've never picked a side because I have to remain, you know, unbiased. But it's hard to sit to have witnessed everything I've witnessed with the Iron Bowl. That crazy game back in 2013, the kick six. Everyone's seen it. Uh, All the Iron Bowl games. It doesn't matter how good or bad Auburn is. Obviously, Bama's been incredible for years and years. But that game always matters so much to these fans in this rivalry. And it's 365 days a year. They don't let up. They're harsh on social media. And I, for me, I have to go with the Iron Bowl rivalry before um, Ohio State Michigan. And that's not any diss on Ohio State Michigan. But at the end of the day, each fan base, their rivalry means the most to them. And so that, oh, yeah. that's how yeah. I'll leave that. Okay. I can attest to that too. Um, I am currently from Ohio, but I am from uh, most recently the Gulf Coast of Florida. We called ourselves LA, Lower Alabama, because we're like right under Alabama. Now, Alabama may as well just be a professional sports team uh, down in that area uh, because, yeah, that's all you see is just roll tide, um, Alabama everything. It's it's a very prideful state with their collegiate sport. And that being said, it's just. Ohio has not only the Buckeyes, but you have the Bengals, you have the Browns, and then Michigan just hasn't been competitive um, in a Coons age for Ohio State. And at least Auburn makes it interesting. Yeah, and you know, like like you said, because you have those professional franchises in Ohio and in lots of sports in Alabama, they don't have that. I mean, we don't have the NBA, we don't have the NFL, and they don't want it. I'll tell you right now, like, yeah, like Birmingham acts like they want an NFL franchise. At the end of the day, they've got Bama, they've got Auburn, and they're set. I mean, we, we put all the eggs in that basket, and quite frankly, it's like, stay out. NFL, NBA teams, I mean, I, I guess I think that people like to see how Atlanta does. They like, you know, they cheer on New Orleans, and sometimes like Tennessee, like the Titans, things like that. You know, the professional franchises in those cities, like the surrounding areas, but right here in Alabama, we're good. Like, Sports fans are good. SEC is killing it. We're good. Speaking of, I follow you on Twitter, and uh, you know you start to get a little spicy in, in the fall <laughs> season. You know during football, and I gotta ask, you know, being a Buckeyes fan, why uh, why I gotta do my guys like that on Twitter? Why why are you always coming at my my Buckeyes? I do. I, I talk a lot of crap. Okay, I talk a lot of crap, and it's like I don't try. I'm not like um some of these people. Who's that dude? Who's Bar Cat? Bar Barstool Big Cat guy? Who's Big that cat, guy? Yeah. Who like? Yeah, yeah okay. They, I mean, they like they, their entire careers are based on talking crap. Okay. Now yeah. I don't do that, but when I do, I try to make it hit. Like I want it to hit, you know. And so, what I love about you know getting Ohio State fans is that I've always hated Ohio State since birth, since diapers. I've hated Ohio State, and that's because everyone in my family loves. Oh, you're Ohio Notre Dame, State. right? 
Yes, oh, Notre Dame. So okay. I, I've never wanted to be an Ohio State fan. So I cheered on the Irish just like my dad. And we are always like anti-Buckeyes. So I've just carried that with me, you know, for 30 years now. <laughs> I for, totally forgot about that. Yeah, back in the days when like Jimmy or, or uh, Mike Ghost would host the big Ohio State Michigan party and everyone's going at each other's throats. Here comes your dad in his Notre Dame gear, just the, the big neutral guy that <laughs> hates both teams. <laughs> Enjoying the show, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, another thing I wanted to ask too is, uh, you know, you're doing very well for yourself. You know, it seems like you very much enjoy what you're doing now. Do you have like a future goal, or what? What's like your long term goal? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be totally uh, transparent about that, my goals throughout my career have really changed. Uh, When I first got into this business. In 2013, when I went to Mobile, Alabama, I was like, I'm going to be on the fast track to go to ESPN. I'm going to go be on the NFL Network. I want to make my hometown proud. And, you know, I was only in Mobile, supposed to be there for three years. I was only there for a year. And I went to Houston, got picked up, super young, was, you know, at NBC in Houston. And I left a a top 10 job that paid incredibly well um, to come back to Alabama because of Bart Sessions, who is my now husband, um, and because I wanted to get married. And a lot of people in this business, some people out of the business, like family members of mine, uh, did not think too highly of that. Like that was, it was criticized in a lot of ways for me to make that move at a young age. And I'll tell you right now, I don't regret a single, a single decision that I've ever made when it comes to making the move back here and marrying Bart and setting up our lives personally. Um, when you have everything that you think from the outside, you know, you have people from Genoa, you know, in Bowling Green looking at what you're doing, like, wow, she's in Houston, Texas, and she's going to the NBA finals and she's covering, you know, Major League Baseball playoffs and she's covering NFL playoffs, all these incredible things that you're doing. They think that you have it all together. But what you don't see is that I was there by myself. And at the end of the day, you know, when work ended at 11 o'clock at night, I went home to just me turning on the TV and, you know, opening some Ben and Jerry's and drinking a glass of wine. Like that was all that I had. And that wasn't enough for me. I mean, it looked good on the outside. And if you go look at my social media, it will look good on the outside. But the inside was very lonely, very difficult. And I finally looked into myself in the mirror and I said, is this worth it? Is this loneliness is this difficult you know this hardship that i'm going through here by myself is it worth it and it wasn't so i left my contract a year early to come to birmingham without a job at the time i did not have a job i just said i'm not doing this anymore i have got to go be with the man that i love he's a head coach here in the state of alabama in the high school level you know fantastic football coach an even better person a better man and i left and it took a lot of people by surprise uh, soon thereafter, I got offered the job at CBS, where I've been now for over four years, and we've had an incredible professional relationship and a personal relationship. I've gotten married. We have two dogs. He has two daughters, and it has truly come full circle for me in every single way. So I, I give you all of that to say my goals in my career have changed a lot because moving forward, what I want to be is, yes, I want to be a great, you know, broadcaster? Of course I do. But I want to be a great wife. You know, I want to be a mom someday. I want to be a good stepmother to his daughters. I want to be a good daughter-in-law. I want to be a good daughter and sister to to my family. Like those things matter to me so much more than than anything in television ever will. I've gone to the Heisman. I've covered five national championships, the college football playoffs, 
all of these things, all of these awards have been, you know, named top, you know, anchor, TV anchor in, in Alabama and all these things, but they all fall short of what I gain from my personal happiness and from my family and my husband and my dogs and the people that mean a lot to me. So for me, I have to be able to check all those boxes to be happy. And that's what my end goal is. My end goal is to be happy in every single facet of my life. And and, and that's what's going to mean the most to me. Now, someday, could that mean being in a big, bigger market or a network? Yeah, maybe it does. Right now, it means to be in Alabama with my husband, with my husband's family and be able to travel back to Northwest Ohio and see my family and have great friends all over the country. And, and that's where I am today. And I could not be happier with, with that life. See, I, uh, I love that fantastic. because I love that answer because it shows just how, how loyal, how loyal you are. I, I like that. Um, you're keeping your, your family goals right there with your career goals. A lot of people don't do that. It's kind of always career, and then, uh, you know, family stuff falls by the wayside. So I very much respect that. And I also like that you also fit in a little bit of a flex in there, too, you know, naming off some some awards like that. I definitely dig that. I respect it. Definitely get your flex on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, mean, I listen, I'm, I would be I would be lying if I said that my career has not, you know, taken me to places that I only have ever dreamt I would be able to do. And I don't say everything that I just said to act like I don't acknowledge that. I acknowledge that I have gotten to do things that people cannot afford to do, whether financially, that their jobs don't aren't what I do. I mean, what I do is not difficult. I talk about sports for a living. I cannot believe that I get a paycheck every other Friday to do what it is that I do. And I know that. And I am grateful to God for that every day. But that does not mean that it is the most fulfilling thing ever. So just wanted to be very clear that, you know, I am grateful every single day. I've worked my ass off, but I'm grateful every single day to do what I do. Um, but you know, I, I always, I don't try to preach to people too much, but I do say, if you don't have that work personal balance, um, you know, at the end of the day, those, those days get lonely and they get hard. Yeah. And you've accomplished so much at such a young age that self-sacrifice is truly inspirational, uh, for, for me included with everyone else that's listening. Um, and the way that just came full circle is just so fitting for you as well. Um, and I'm happy for you in that standpoint uh, where you're at today. And then you get to talk sports. I always watch like Sports Center and uh, uh, like you mentioned, NFL Network and like, I wish I had that kind of job or just get paid for my opinions and stuff like that. If we got, like me and Bobby, if we got paid to just do this podcast, and this was our living, uh, this is how we put the bread on the table, anything like that. That would just be an absolute dream. But, you know, it's just it, it's, it's really, truly inspirational from that standpoint of just like the self-sacrifice. And then I completely understand from like a self-fulfillment is completely different um, from like an internal fulfillment where you need like that internal happiness of what truly makes you happy. And that's being with uh, the ones you love um, more so than doing the things more so that you love, if that makes any sense. For sure. I, I really listen. I really appreciate the, the kind words because, you know, there are days I would I would be lying if I told you that there were days where I was confident in every decision that I've made. Now, sitting here February 19th, 2021, looking back, I'm so thankful and confident in every decision that I made. But in that moment, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is this is crazy. When I left Houston, I mean, that was hard. There were some hard conversations that I had with my dad that, you know, that were that were difficult conversations that I was like, you know, yes, I, this is what I what I want to do. And, you know, and I think that if you interviewed him, 
he probably loves my husband more than he loves me, to be honest with you. And like how our life has come full circle, I think he would be the first to advocate for every decision that I've made. And back then he was like me. I mean, is this really what I'm going to do? And so, I mean, I think I always try to tell folks is that just because you don't have that immediate confidence in everything that you're choosing in that moment, just know that if you're following your heart and your gut and what feels right, it sounds, it sounds cliche, but it always, always, always pays off and works out in the end. That kind of leads into the aspect of, I wanted to ask, what are some kind of like uh, uh, tips or um, advice for those listeners out there that may be kind of either a clinching onto um, what should I do here in their career or anything like that to make that jump to what might not be the easiest decision to make, but more so maybe than the right decision to make. Yeah, Dylan, you know, for me, I, I think that it's hard when you, like you said, when you're in that moment and you're unsure about your next move and what things could look like. For me, it's really all about leaning on your faith and going with what is in your heart and in your gut. And sometimes that's a scary decision. And when I made the career moves that I made, I really had to rely on that because I was scared to death at a lot of the things that I was doing when it was going to Houston, coming back from Houston. Both of those were huge leaps of faith. And so for me, you always have to really rely on what your heart is telling you. You'll never go wrong when you follow what your gut instinct is because you have outside forces, whether it be your family, your friends, um, you know, people that you trust who want to guide you in a certain way. But at the end of the day, you have to do what ultimately is best for you. So I always, whenever I'm talking to folks in whatever business that it is, but especially for young aspiring journalists or young people in college, not knowing what their next move is, you got to believe in what your gut and your heart tells you. Cause that ultimately is what is going to make you happy. I mean, happiness is the end goal for me. It's the end goal. Yes. You know, career achievements and, and doing things uh, professionally is a huge deal, but having complete full circle happiness, personally, professionally, having that balance is always going to pay off. I 100% uh, respect that and definitely uh, salute you for, for being able to, to make those moves. And, and obviously it's helped you uh, get to where you're at today. I don't think a lot of people um, can necessarily take those steps, you know, off, off the ledge per se. And obviously, um, you know, are still maybe in their hometown today wondering, you know, what if and, and all that good stuff. But um, we got a couple more things for you before you get out of here. Uh, one thing that uh, we were definitely interested in getting um, was your uh, perspective of being uh, the wife of a, a head coach, which I know can probably be pretty wild at times, especially if uh, maybe he brings his work home, you know, after a couple of tough losses or, you know, any of that sort, or if he's on the hot seat. Um, but yeah, if you kind of shine some light on that, definitely I'm interested to hear about it. Yeah. Being a coach's wife is definitely one of the, biggest challenges I've ever faced in my entire life, not only as a professional, uh, but as a, a, just a person in general, whether it's athletics, you name it, being a coach's wife has been really, really hard. Now it's been rewarding. We have had our moments where, you know, when you're winning, of course, it's always good. Uh, you, you get to enjoy, you know, everybody having your back and everything like that. But fans are fickle, y'all. I mean, very quickly, people will turn on you on a dime. The second that you take an L or the second that he's not putting in your kid or, or calling plays that you want to hear called, like 
we have had our issues. And quite frankly, just to be totally transparent, it's the reason for our latest move. Uh, Bart accepted a job four hours south of where we are now in his hometown. And the reason that we did is because there was a physical threat, a huge situation between myself and a father in the stands at a game. He also was going at my in-laws who were in their 80s. So situations like that, I mean, it makes being a coach's wife, very, very challenging. So while you get to reap the rewards of the ex- the excitement, it's very, very stressful. And like you mentioned a minute ago, Bobby, like when you're talking about the hot seat and you're talking about having to deal with wins and losses and how much they matter in this state, I mean, coaches in this state get paid really good money. And with that comes a ton of responsibility to win and lose games. You lose games, you're going to lose your job. It's happened to us before, and that's a horrible situation to be in. So yes, I love being a coach's wife. Wouldn't change it for the world. But if it's every day perfect, hell no. I, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I know that because we talked about earlier how um, you know, Alabama and really a, a lot of states down south take their college sports serious. Um, obviously, it's the same exact uh, way with their high school sports. And, um, you know, I've seen some pretty wild and, and crazy shit um, and, and just silly reactions of parents, um, you know, at some Genoa Comet games up here in Ohio. So I know that uh, down there it's probably, you know, 100 times worse. So, um, yeah, I, I just we, we were definitely curious to see. Um, what that was like, I'm sure, like you said, it's got it's ups and downs, but it seems like uh, for you guys, there's a lot more ups. So hopefully uh, with the new spot, especially with it being in his hometown, things will go out real smooth and, uh, you know, he can get some some title rings going there. But um, a couple more things is uh, one big one now, which uh, is going to be a little bit of an inside joke now. But um, I watched uh, a video uh, online not too long ago. I don't I'd stumble upon it about um this place down south it's basically i was trying to describe to dylan it's classified as like a gas station but like it's basically equivalent to like a a miniature like mall of sorts with like its own food court almost like its own uh, like grocery store uh you can actually even go in there and probably buy bags clothes all that good stuff uh it's called bucky's and, and i've seen you post about it a few times uh you love that place and i definitely wanted to um you know get uh so the inside scoop of that place, because I've seen some stuff on video, but you've actually been in there and, um, you know, you love that place. So, uh, you know, go ahead yeah, and tell I us. Fell why. In love. Yeah, I fell in love with Bucky's back when I was actually living in Houston and Texas, because Bucky's, I mean, it's like having a circle K. I mean, Bucky's is on every single corner in the Houston, Texas area and up to Dallas. I mean, everywhere there is a Bucky's. So when I moved to Alabama, it was something I really, really missed. And we got one down near the beach. And when it came in, it was like, holy crap, we have a Bucky's. Now we have one up in the Birmingham area. So we actually have two in Alabama. And when I tell you, this is like, it's not even a gas station. To call Bucky's a gas station is actually insulting. Yes, it has gas pumps, probably like 100 gas pumps. It's unbelievable. And the gas is always cheaper there. But quite frankly, it is the Taj Mahal of gas stations. It has home decor. Uh, clothing and the food by far the best part. It's not just a food court. This isn't like you go into the mall and you're getting the Chinese that's been sitting there for eight hours and you know you're trying the the little things and the people are trying to get you to buy it. No, this is fresh made barbecue right there. They got the brisket, they got the pulled pork. They're cutting it, they're putting the sauce on right there, coming off the smoker. Uh, they have unbelievable sandwiches. Uh, so it is un it's incredible what Bucky's has to offer. When you come down here. 
I mean, you, you had, it's a must go for anybody that's visiting. And for folks like myself who live down here, like God just blessed us big and y'all just haven't been blessed like us like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go there. That's, and that's the funny thing. If once I'm down South, that's going to definitely be a big time destination uh, for me and the family, which um, it's kind of funny considering, but I got to see this place and I definitely have to experience uh, all the stuff that they have to offer uh, food wise, which will kind of carry us into my next set um, of questions. We're, we're big food guys on the show. We pretty much ask because uh, we have guests from from all over the map. So when we get a chance to, we always like to ask, what are your favorite food spots, um, you know, down south and maybe even some because it's been a little while, you know, since you've been up this way. But when you were living out here and down in BG or even the Juneau, Ohio area, maybe some of your spots in Toledo as well, if you want to share those. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking food spots up there and listen, I am a foodie at heart. Uh, like I, I used to weigh like 110 back in my Genoa days. There's a reason I don't weigh that anymore because I definitely earn my calories. When you come down south, y'all, like the food down here is just on another level. But talking food spots up there, Campus Poly Eyes and Bowling Green, their breadsticks, unbelievable. El Zarape, the uh, Mexican place right there on Wooster Street in Bowling Green. Also amazing, the cookie jar in Bowling Green. So I ate a lot. That's what my food habits really, really took a turn for the worse when I was in college, like for most of us. Then I came down here and it was just like all about having a type of chicken that y'all just don't have up there. It's chicken down here. We got Zaxby's. We've got Fusaklis. Uh, I know that y'all do have some canes and stuff. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't compare to the fried chicken and the type of things that we have down here, down south. There's so many barbecue spots, especially over in Texas. Killen's Barbecue, by far the absolute best barbecue that I've ever had in my entire life. We actually special order the seasoning to get delivered to Alabama because it's the only stuff that we will put on our butts. Boston butts, that is. The only stuff we'll put on our country-style ribs. I mean, it, like, that is how much we love the barbecue down here. Yeah, I I, I can attest to that. Zaxby's for sure. I've, I've tried that joint when I lived down in the Gulf Coast. It, it's phenomenal chicken there. Um, also had, like, a hole-in-the-wall place called Yardbirds. I've discussed and talked about this uh, uh, chicken wing place before. The lines are always crazy, kind of like Chick-fil-A style. And unfortunately, they're closed on Sundays, which I feel like that's a loss of revenue, especially during the football season. Uh, but anyways, um, my question would be this. Since you had this career that you travel like all over the country, all over the world, uh, what is like maybe a dish that you've tried somewhere uh, that's unique that um, you will always remember? Hmm. That's a really good question. And it's a really hard question because... I'm very particular about things that I like and not being a big like branch or outer and wanting to try new things. I don't eat any seafood, full disclosure, which is like, you know, my husband wants to cry about that often because he loves shrimp and all the things and I won't kiss him if he eats any sort of seafood. So that's always a big issue issue in our marriage uh, pretty often. But uh, I, I mean... Like whenever I go to certain cities, you got to try the staples aside from seafood. So like when you go to like New Orleans, you got to try the beignets and, and, you know, there is Cajun foods that you can get that are fantastic. Boudin balls are amazing. Those, those are probably some of the most memorable ones. And when, when you go to Texas, I mean, like the tacos there are fantastic. The authentic Mexican food is amazing. So I try to really like, you know, dive into the actual culture and what's down there. The problem is, is that as much as I love food, I do have my limits on some things I don't eat. So that has kind of like, that is kind of burdened, like how much I actually branch out when it comes to being a foodie. Okay. Um, the seafood thing where 
We're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on that. Uh, you're missing <laughs> out. Some, maybe we'll get no. a hypnotist, something to to, to fix that because <laughs> you can't. We can't let you go the rest of your life like that. There's no way. Um, it's a sad life. <laughs> I have two. Hey, I want to tell okay. you why. I want to tell you real quick why this is the case. Okay, you, we have Arthur Eli, my dad, to blame for this. All right, because oh, as children. Okay. Hilton Head every single year. It was like the vacation spot. Some people go to Disney. We went to Hilton Head. I don't know. Maybe the only place we could afford. I don't know. Okay. He and my uncle went deep sea fishing or some crap, right? They brought back a shark. All right. They brought back a shark that they didn't cook right. He poisoned me. And that same night, he brought back the head of the shark in a freaking plastic Walmart baggie to show us the head of the shark. And we were watching Deep Blue Sea. So ever since then, that is oh. what has ruined food for me, dating back to like eight years old, my dad literally ruined seafood for me and I cannot eat it, have not eaten it since then. I mean, we're talking 20 years. That's That would be kind of scarring. All right, all that stuff mixed up. I'm going to have to have a word with him about that next time uh, I'm out the way there and tell him that he uh, he screws you up for life. But we'll fix that. We will. Um, yeah, I got two more questions for you and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, one being, um, like you know, we know everyone knows by this point, you're, you're from the Midwest, so I got to ask, um, besides family and friends, maybe uh, – Mention a couple of things that you might miss about the Midwest or Ohio. Uh, I know you probably like being down there right now, especially this week. We got blasted with snow. It's been below freezing, so being down south has probably been heaven sent. But, yeah, what are, what are some of the things that you uh, you might miss about Ohio or the Midwest in general? I'll be honest with you, Bobby. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, yes, I miss my family, and I miss you know our friends, and you, you're saying aside from that. I and mean, that would be, like, the primary things that I miss oh, yeah. the most is seeing – people that I love and I care about. That's pretty much kind of where it ends. And here's why, <laughs> okay. okay? Right. I'm not going to live where you get the type of snow that y'all get because once you go once you go away from it, you can't go back. Like you, you, there's no way. When I have to go visit, not have to take that back. Sorry, mom. When I go visit, had the opportunity to visit for holidays, especially Christmas, there's always snow on the ground and every single time that Bart and I are driving up and we get past pretty much like Cincinnati and it drops drastically in temperature and we get to Ohio or get to like actual Northwest Ohio, Toledo area, Genoa, Ohio. And we're talking in the teens and there's snow on the ground. My dogs don't like it. Like, I mean, Haley and Olivia, we can't be living like that. So we are not about that cold weather life. I don't see myself ever moving back up there. Never say never, but short of there being like an unbelievable and some like, stars align for us. There's not a whole lot that I, maybe there's just so much that I love down South. I mean, it's not that I like dislike, you know, up, you know, the Midwest. I mean, I love it. My grandparents are up there. My family's up there, but dang, man, I'm telling you the life down here, it's warm. we got the beach. We've got pretty scenery. Like we have more than like, you know, Lake Erie, which like 90% of the time you can't even go in there. <laughs> I've, hey, I don't blame you at all. Not at all. Uh, I might as well. We'll take this gut punch too while we're freezing up here. What What's the temperature been this week down there? Go ahead and kick us uh, real well, quick. Today while we're was sixty five. Today was mm, sixty five, and it, was, it pretty much felt like a beautiful spring day. I walked my dogs for a good while. It, it was fantastic. Now there has been some snow. Like last week, we did get like I shouldn't even say snow, but we got a nice covering of white stuff where I did get to take a couple cute pictures of my dogs. But within about a Two and a half hour period, it was completely gone. Well, hey, we have a heat wave coming. We're going to be hitting the the high thirties and low forties this week. So, uh, you know, we'll be outside prancing around. You know what I'm saying? So, 
it's exciting times for us back here, back here in uh, Ohio. But um, very last question is uh, one that we ask every one of our guests at the end of each interview. And that is knowing what you know today, uh, what is one thing you would tell your 18 year old self? This is this is challenging for me. I'm glad that you were able to give me a little uh, tip off on this because I've been thinking about it throughout the entire show when we've been talking. Because there are a lot of things that I would go back and, and tell myself like, hey, this, that, and the other when it comes to the rest of my life. But the biggest thing is to not put so much thought and significance into what people are saying about you, thinking about you, judging you. If the, if these people that are talking all this smack aren't going to matter to you in five years, hell, if they're not going to matter in five minutes, like move on. Do not sit there and, and think about folks who, who don't matter to you, who are not going to matter years from now. Because I spent way too much of my teens, and a lot of us do at that age, thinking and worrying about what, what so-and-so says or who's thinking this about me. And, and you have to block that out. If I could go back to 18, I would spend so much less time wrapped up in the crap that people were saying about me, people I care about, because at the end of the day, they don't matter. Boom. There it is. I, I love that answer. Um, that's something that uh, I wish the same that I kind of would tell myself because yeah, up until maybe recently, I would kind of let that kind of stuff eat at me and then, you know, maybe go back and, and stoop down to certain people's levels and, and uh, regret that later on. But I, I definitely dig that. But um, that's all we got. We uh, we definitely really appreciate you coming on and joining us. We Like I told you in the beginning, we were really excited to have you on and we're definitely going to bring you back sometime in the future. Uh, we have a million more questions because um, it's, it's really fun to talk to you. It's been great to catch up. I know everyone uh, back here at home is going to be stoked to uh, check this episode when it drops. For sure. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, this this show is killing it. You two are great. And uh, it's just, it's been my on- true honor to just be able to sit and chat with y'all tonight. Thank you very much. Dylan, take us out. 99 next week. Triple digits, baby. Let's go. That's right, Bobby. You heard him right, ladies and gentlemen. Triple digits. Can you believe it? My goodness, triple digits. Simone, thank you so much for giving me and Bobby some of your time and all of you out there listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode of 99 of TSP Season 4. It's good to be back as always. Make sure you show some love. Uh, Go follow us on our social medias at Talking Shot Pod, Instagram, Facebook, um, and Twitter. For all the latest news, updates, and episode releases, we will see you next week. Is it Busey's? Am I pronouncing that right?